Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. So, question for you this morning. Who here is a perfectionist? Anyone a perfectionist? A recovering perfectionist. Who here is a recovering perfectionist this morning? Who wants to testify to God's goodness this morning with Pastor Tricia? Mm, amen. All right. Well, I wouldn't consider myself a perfectionist, but when it came to playing American football, the sport I love, I would consider myself a perfectionist. And I remember going into high school and growing up, and I had a dream of always wanting to play high school football. And I wanted to be a quarterback. And I got to grade nine, and I tried out for the team, and I made the starting team, but I didn't get to play quarterback. And so I was a little frustrated, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to work. I'm going to, I'm going to make it so next year they have no choice but to name me the starting quarterback for grade 10. So I worked, I worked, I worked, made starting quarterback in grade 10. But the thing about me is the perfectionist side of me came out. Because I would judge every throw and every play I made. Whether the play was a success or not. So I remember specifically one game. We went down we scored a touchdown. And in that, in that series, I threw five passes. I made five completions. But the fifth one, which is the one that scored for us, that was the one I was most critical of myself on. Because as I ran to, as I was running to one way side of the field and I threw the ball, the ball slipped out of my hand and it floated like a bird in the air. And as the defender went to try and catch it, it just glazed over his fingertips, and my receiver caught it for a touchdown. We scored, but as I'm walking back to the sideline, I'm speaking not the nicest of things over myself, because the ball slipped out of my hand and flopped through the air like a dead duck, into the receiver's hands. And I remember getting back to the sideline and, the, and the one coach saying, hey, don't worry about it. The first four throws were on the money. And know what? Yeah, it didn't come out of your hand how you wanted it to, but we still scored. You need to focus on the goodness of that. Don't be so ca caught up in what didn't go so well, but focus on the goodness that we scored. 
There was glory in that play. And as Christians, we have the same call to see the goodness, to see the holiness of God. Holiness is a work. It's present now, but it's a work going forward. And so today I'm going from 1 Peter chapter 1. And it's a big passage, but stick with me. We're going to make it through. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 12. I'm going to give a brief synopsis. There's four, tru- four truths revealed. And honestly, this could be the sermon right here, but I think we can go deeper today. The four truths revealed. Verses, chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. Saints are born for glory. We are born for new life. We are born again. We don't start over, we're born again. It's not, I fell away from the Lord and I restarted in my faith. It's, I fell away from the Lord, I gave my all to the Lord, and I was born again. I'm not the person who I was. Number two, verse five, saints are kept for glory. We are guarded so we may not be captured. There is a heavenly shield. There is a a hedge of protection. Not greenery, okay? Not the greenery in your garden. There is a hedge of protection. And we are guarded so that we may not be captured by the enemy again. Number three, we are prepared for glory. Our faith is tested to bear the genuineness of it. Anything that ever comes in your life, any speed bump, any hurt, any obstacle, is a testing. And the Lord is simply asking, will you remain faithful to it? Will you remain faithful to see it through? Because on the other side of it is a beauty of the majesty. There's a truth of the king. And truth number four, verses eight to 12, saints can enjoy glory now. Sure, we await the Christ to come. We await the, our God, the way to come. But we also have to remember, he's still here. He is here with us now. And we can enjoy the glory and his majesty now. There is goodness now. His holiness, when we receive it, is with us now. It fills the gaps in our lives And as we enter into the rest of this passage, it's important to remember those four truths. 
Saints are born for glory, saints are kept for glory, saints are prepared for glory, and saints can enjoy the glory now. Chapter 1, verses 13 to 16. Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. Knowing that we can look forward to this holiness, we can look forward to the outcome, Peter is calling for the saints of the New Testament church to be alert and fully sober. To be alert is to take awareness of what has happened, what is happening, and what will happen. To not let the living hope that is being presented to them be passed by due to spiritual blindness or laziness. But to take part in the work. That even in the midst of a broken world, the believer may still be alert to a present spiritual reality. Our reality is physical right now. But there is a spiritual, and it wages war for us. That we would not be consumed with pride, deceit, and idolization, but be fully comprehensive to the kingdom of God that is at work. That we would be comprehensive in what is coming, and who is coming, and what is being established. The youth know this, and I tell the kids this too. I tell them all the time. We are building blocks for a temple. We are building blocks for a kingdom. Your life is a building block for the kingdom. The temple is being built. The kingdom is being built. And your choice to participate in that kingdom is a building block for it. Without your participation in the kingdom, there is a, there is a need for the, the temple block to be filled. So here's my question. Have you ever lived in expectation of something? Maybe it was a life event. Maybe it was a holiday. Maybe it was a vacation. You're looking forward to something that was exciting. A new thing. And as you're, as you're approaching that time, you're waiting in expectation. And maybe at that time, you're so focused on what, what is ahead that you're not really focused on what's right now. You're just looking forward to what's ahead. I can't wait for that day to come. I can't wait for that moment to come. I can't wait to experience this. I can't wait to receive that. When we think like this, we take the very nature of an obedient child. As scripture says, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. That we'd set our expectation on what is ahead. That we wouldn't set it on the right now we wouldn't set it on our minds on the things of right now that maybe 
are holding us back. That we wouldn't conform our way of thinking. We wouldn't box ourselves up into this small gift wrap box that only has one train of thought. But rather, we'd set our eyes on an eternal glory that breaks the box and goes out. This is what happens when we talk about revival. So often we want revival to take place in our neighborhoods, right? And that's good. But revival starts here and goes there. It's working this so I may bless that. We need to know that there is a true and living God. And we need to be fully sober and alert because as he who called you is holy. Therefore, we have an obligation as citizens of a present kingdom to be holy. Just as you have an obligation to vote for the government, we have an obligation as citizens of a kingdom of the highest of high kings, the great I am, we have an obligation to live our lives in reverence of him. Verses 17 to 21. Since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, so your faith and hope are in God. Focusing on the first initial part of that passage. Peter calls us and says, we call on a father who judges each person's work impartially. This is the nature of the father. He calls us to come home. We call him for, di- for direction in how to get there. The work he judges is our mere lives. How we use our life, how we steward our life, and how we offer our life. How am I going to use the breath he's given me, the breath of life he's given me for his kingdom? How am I going to steward it well? How am I going to walk in godly character? And then what can I give to that kingdom in submission to him? What, can, what do I have to offer? What do I have to offer in these moments, in the days to come, in the weeks ahead, in the years ahead, where I can say, God, here is the giftings you've given me. Here's the talents you have placed in me. Now give me opportunity to use them and I will be faithful no matter what it may look like. Holiness is something we grow in and work towards. But we will never fully find it in this world. We don't belong here. 
The end does not fall here. Rather, it begins here. The end is now. The end births the beginning. Peter says we are foreigners' purpose to live life in reverent fear. A fear that does not make us shy away from God, but rather draw closer to God. This applied directly to the saints of the New Testament church at the time. For in this time, they were drawing closer to the reign of Emperor Nero. And Emperor Nero is known for carrying out one of the greatest mass persecutions of the Christian church. But yet, the saints hold firm. And because of that, we are asked, we come to the place of, so where should the believer find their hope and mercy then? When hardship comes, when persecution runs rampant in the church, the believer is not to join in mutual agreement with who is against them, but rather come before the throne of God and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. To testify what was, what is, and is to come. In, in the Bible, I think Stephen is the ultimate example of this. We see in Acts chapter 7, Stephen testifies to the Lord's goodness from the beginning of time. He gives, a full, he gives a full testimony of the creation of the world through the prophets to then. And because of this, the San, he does this in front of the Sanhedrin, and the Sanhedrin drags him out into the courtyard and begins to stone him. And so often we can get so focused on the simplicity that Stephen was a martyr for the faith. That he died for his faith and he held firm to the faith. And that's great. But let's look a little deeper. Oftentimes we think Stephen fell to his knees because he was being stoned. I've come to understand and I've come to believe that Stephen fell to his knees because he saw the heavens opening. He was bowing before the throne of grace. Hardship doesn't withhold us from the presence but rather brings us to our knees in the humility of his righteousness. That as times get tougher, we draw closer. A righteousness that reveals the very holiness of God, that makes us push aside our kingdom for his. What's our kingdom? Your kingdom is what you give your most time to. Your kingdom is built up of things you give your most time to. What is the foundation of your kingdom? What is the hope of your kingdom? Is it joy? Is it the joy of the Lord? Or the anger of the world? Is it of the truth of the living God or the deceit of man? Louis Zamperini was a World War II veteran and Olympic distance runner. He was known for running in the 1936 Olympics. 
and then after enlisting in the United States Air Force and becoming a second lieutenant. His story is nothing short of an example of drawing closer to God through hardship. Maybe some of you have seen it. His, his story was made into a movie in 2015. It's called Unbroken. While on a search and rescue mission, his, team plane, his team's plane experiences mechanical errors, which leads him and two others to be being stranded on a life raft in the middle of the ocean for 47 days. In those 47 days, they experience extreme heat, a wicked storm, and they hold off a shark attack. And just when they think after those 47 days that their suffering is over, they are rescued, but they're rescued by their enemy. They're taken captive by the Japanese Navy. But throughout the film, Louis is quoted as saying two things. If I can take it, I can make it. That's the first. If I can take it, I can make it. That if it's in my path and I'm seeing it through, that I will see the other side. That I'll see the goodness that is on the other side. And then second, one moment of pain is worth a lifetime of glory. The pain I experience now does not compare to the glory I will experience later. That in these moments of where I'm asking, God, where are you? Lord, are you in my midst? That we can know that he is in our midst. And that greater things are still to come. That's the prophetic nature of the Bible. That as Christ draws near, in his return, things will get tougher. Because we are being sculpted and pruned for a holy kingdom. We can endure though, because no pain, no suffering, no hardship, no illness, no stronghold can hold us back from the presence of God. And that we will be met in awe when the holiness, when the glory of the King returns. He is in our midst. He is returning. He's closer than you think. As we wait on Him, we know we're waiting for what more is to come, but He's still there. Louis continues to declare throughout the course of the film that if he lives to tell of his hardships, he will commit his life to Christ. And after being released from captivity and finding healing from post-traumatic stress, he does exactly that. He commits his life to Christ and goes on to become an evangelist. Not only that, but he goes back to the place where he was held captive and forgives his captors. This, my friends, is the very image of the process of holiness. That what we experience would not derail us from God, but draw us closer to God. 
Peter encourages the saints to remember that they were, not per- they were not purchased with perishable cost, but rather through the blood of Christ. A king chosen before the creation of the world to be glorified now and forevermore. That in our hard times, because the Father sent his one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, that we may draw into relationship with him. Often we think that the cross is a bridge to the Father. And it is. But let's not forget that the cross is actually a sledgehammer to the hostilities that hold us back from the Father. It breaks the chains. It breaks every wall we put up. It breaks the walls that hold us back. So that we may walk new. We see the very humanity of Jesus on the cross. I find oftentimes we get so focused on Christ was the Son of God, but he was also a Son of Man too. And in the very moments on the cross, he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Why have you brought me to this place? Father, where are you? But he, le- he comes to this. Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Look at those two natures. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then moments later, but Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Into your hands I commit my life. Into your hands, I commit my anxieties, I commit my fears, I commit my anger, I commit the idols, I give it to you, and know your goodness is here, and there is more goodness to come. Even in the pain of humanity... Christ still saw the holy nature that was to come of the Father. Verses 22 to 25. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. This is the encouragement we hold to. That no matter what tries to hold us back right now, whatever is forged upon us in the time to come, it does not stand. Brokenness flees when it looks out the window to see the sun of holiness arriving. If you don't like the word arriving, put arising. To endure to the end so that we may see a new beginning. Resilience bears the fruit of obedience. When you withhold 
When you step back from the things that are holding you back and you withhold and focus on the Father, you will bear the fruit of your obedience to him. The path of and to holiness is hard. It can leave us questioning sometimes if we're drawing closer to Christ or falling further from Christ. We put holiness on a mantle of perfection. When the reality is, by doing this, it becomes the item on the top shelf at a store that we can no longer reach on, their, on our own. Well, at least I can't reach it. I'm like five foot nine, five foot ten. But Christ sends a helper that helps us take grasp of the holiness of God. And better yet, the helper helps us and gives us the way that the Father calls us home. Last story. In the story of the prodigal son, once the son has blown the inheritance that the father gave him. He returns home, and the father, seeing him in the distance, runs out to meet him. And so often we think, well, why, why did the father run out to meet him? Well, the father, was he happy to see him? Yeah. He took joy in seeing his son return. But in those times, if a son were to leave home and disgrace his father, what was once of great value would be no more. And, up, and upon turning home, the, le- the elders of the town, the leaders of the town, upon seeing the son, would take him to the courtyard. They would take a basin or a pot, and they would smash it at his feet to signify what was once of great beauty, what was once of great value, is no more. The father runs out to meet the son, so the son may not experience greater shame, but inherit greater love. The pot represents a lot of things in our lives. It represents the holiness of God. It represents the grace of God. It represents the truth of God. It represents trusting our Lord. The pot is meant to be carried firmly. The pot is meant to be valued above all. And so oftentimes in our lives, we can get in this way of thinking where we're continually smashing the pot at our feet and trying to pick up the pieces and put it back together. But yet, when you try and put the pieces back together on your own, the pot will still never look the same. There will still be the cracks. There will still be the memory of what was once smashed. Of what you once had, but is no longer. When we experience the holiness and the love of God, smashing the pot is no longer an option. And when we do smash the pot, we don't pick up the pieces that we left. Rather, we grab a new pot and make a commitment to walk out with a renewed mind, 
a mind that goes outside of our gift wrap box. So as Pascal comes back up, and as we close today, where is the blemish in your life? Where are the cracks in your life? What needs more resilience to bear the holiness of God? Unforgiveness? Uncertainty in what's ahead? Are you continually smashing the pot at your feet and picking it up in hopes of getting a new one and, smash it, and then smashing it again? If we focus on our lives, so often there's times in our lives where we feel like we're just continually smashing the pot every day. We're breaking the grace of God every day. We're being fed lies that break the truth. But yet in Christ, Christ says, no, I am greater than that. And so here's the call. Maybe you're experiencing, maybe you're li- there's things in your life that where you're continually smashing the pot. Where you're continually dropping the basin and it's in a million pieces. And you're trying to pick it up and put it all back together in hopes that I can keep going as long as it's put back together. But really you just need to know that in Christ you are made new. You don't restart, you're made new. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.